Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us this beautiful Saturday morning. I hope it's nice and sunny where you are. Here in Texas, it's nice and sunny. Hopefully, you guys are experiencing some great weather. Those of you that are just waking up and just smelling that pot of coffee or just taking that first sip, that first bite of breakfast, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Today, we have a great show. We have an amazing guest. If you are into ARVR and if you are also interested in esports, you've definitely come to the right show this morning because we've got an amazing guest here today who's definitely well versed in both of these areas. And that is Mr. Jesse Lubinsky from Ready Learner One. He is a co founder. He is also an author. He is pretty much everything. I've seen this guy in action doing just about <laughs> anything possible in the tech world. So I'm excited that he's here today. So thank you guys for joining us on this beautiful Saturday morning. Jesse, how are you doing today? Good. I feel like you set the bar really high. I feel like I have to deliver on this. Uh, you know, a <laughs> lot, lot of big terms there. Amazing. You got an incredible show for you. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Hey. It's nice. It's, it's a nice fall morning. You know, I will say. I did set my alarm for 6.15 this morning. I was going to go on like a long hike with my daughter before. And, you know, she just got through her first week of remote learning. And yeah, I was not getting her out of bed at 6.15. That was just not happening. So. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're here. And of course, you know, I've been definitely following you guys for a long time, you know, through Micah, Christine, and the rest of your team at Ready Learner One. I'm definitely there on my Twitter feeds. I got you on the alarm where anything that you post, I'm always following because, awesome. you know, that's... That's the way that I learn. And so I'm glad that you're here because again, like the whole purpose of the show is definitely to connect people that uh, not only have inspired myself, but I know that can inspire so many and with so much interest right now, especially with remote learning and you know some of the AR, VR implications now in education, how to right. leverage that. And of course, esports is definitely something that is huge and it's uh, you know growing exponentially. That is definitely something that's great. So what better way? Like <laughs> I saw you uh, back in February, right? TCA, yes. we met, Reality Bites had just come out. And now here we are a few months later, we haven't left the house since, <laughs> and another book's coming out, and the Reality Bites started getting pushed aside. So it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. So it feels like the world, it, I mean, it's true, the world has totally changed since uh, last time we were in person together. Yeah, for sure. And I remember the last the last time you did sign my book. So I still need Christine's signature. Somehow I need to manage to get Christine's signature. I'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. <laughs> so that's awesome. All right. So Jesse, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, let's talk the first section here. Just talk about AR, VR and just its implications. Sure. And you did mention Reality Bites. I see your poster back there. I do have my book here. <laughs> and I was talking to you a little bit, uh, you know, backstage and you know, being part of uh, the Google Innovators Academy, the Virtual Innovators mm -hmm. Academy here for, and I have uh, Dr. Uh, Chantel Scott, who was, you were her coach. I was her so, coach. <laughs> so I was her coach. And, coach. <laughs> I was just about to say, I, I, we're, we're family technically, right? Because uh, I was her coach in uh, Denmark in 2018. She was part of that innovator cohort. Um, I was super excited to get to, uh, to work with her on her project. I think in, I think my proudest um, thing in terms of her journey has been linking her up with a really great co uh, mentor. Um, so I was able to find her a really great mentor who I know they've been, they, they clicked and were able to do a lot of great work, uh, uh, Brooke down in Kentucky. And yeah, then when I found out she was your coach, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm your grand coach. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know, in having that conversation and we're talking and we're doing our prototyping, which is just, uh, you know, something that is wonderful and great going through the process. You know, a lot of my my friends that are just within our little group with Coach Shan, you know, a lot of their projects all of a sudden started turning like, well, what do we add this element and this element? And AR started coming up a lot, you know, the augmented reality, the virtual reality, similar to, you know, Google Maps, things of that sort. And then I introduced them. I said, hey, well, I've got this book here that I've read that might help you out. And when I shared some of the stuff that was here, they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, where has this been? And so I know a lot of people, well, some of them, they did order the book. But as I went through them and or shared a little bit about what you have here, this book is definitely a great foundation for any teacher or educator that may be interested in AR, but may be a little hesitant. I just wanted to throw this out that I really like the way that you break up the chapters. And one of my favorite things is at the end of every chapter, you've got the little toolbox and the tool, how you can use it. And you even touch on the five, the, you know, engage, explore, four C's, ISTE standards, uh, you know, SAMR model, and you even have a QR code for additional resources. So let's talk a little bit about this. Awesome totally. Tool. All so right. I, I feel like you, 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 there's a lot packed into what you said that I want to unpack. The first thing I would just say is, um, you know, you talked a little bit about your journey as a Google innovator. The one thing I would uh, encourage people to do, or just the information I want them to know is uh, the Google innovator project has very little to do with Google tools. It, mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with Google tools. It has to do with being a change maker in education and really trying to make an impact uh, on the way we implement teaching and learning across the globe, right? And so we're trying to solve those big problems. I think if you are the type of person who wants to be that person who can create change, it's something you should look into. It has nothing to do with Google Docs or Google Sheets. It's crazy. Like I, I always like people to know that. Um, I was really excited to hear that you guys were dabbling in AR and VR. I know that um, Christine was a coach in the New York cohort and some of the projects they were coming up with there also tapped into AR. So I think this is a good place to just kind of, for your listeners, um, differentiate, I guess, between AR and VR. What do we what do we mean? What are we talking about? When we're talking about AR, augmented reality, we're talking about digital content, digital content that sit over sits over the real world. So think about like Snapchat filters, uh, things like that, right? You hold your phone up and all of a sudden there's digital content right over your face. Uh, virtual reality, on the other hand, is something we've been talking about for years, right? It's just basically a completely digital environment. Um, you know, I, I, we always like to harken back to like the old Viewmasters is like another way of kind of transporting us into this old world. That's like the old school VR. Um, so th that's the real difference. But AR has so many powerful learning applications that I feel like we're just starting to tap into. And so you mentioned the book, by the way, <laughs> I don't know what's going on over at Amazon, but I bought a copy of Reality Bites, the paperback version yesterday for $3.02. Yes. I tried to buy 30, but they don't, it will only let you buy one. My suspicion is they're, they're trying to clear, clear shelf space. <laughs> um, so if you're looking for a good deal, go grab it uh, now. And one of the things, I mean, uh, without showing you, I know, I know uh, I've seen uh, you show this before, but it's fully enabled with AR content. The yes. book is a model for AR content. So you have, if you hold your phone over the cover of our book, Christine, Mike, and I pop out and start sharing um, what the book's about. There's different examples. But to your point about the way the book's laid out, I'm a big believer in um, – have you ever read uh, it, um, um, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon? 
No, but I I know who he is. And amazing I book. My hands on that book. Amazing book. Super short. But I actually do a keynote that kind of ties into some of his themes where I talk about how ultimately, if you borrow from the things that you're passionate about, that's how you're going to produce your best work. And so I feel like Reality Bites was a culmination of us taking a look at some of the books that were already out there and taking some of the things we loved. So the chart you mentioned that we put at the end of each story, um, that was something that I saw the Hyperdocs book use. And I, you know, uh, Lisa, Kelly, and uh, Sarah are three of the most innovative ladies out there. And I, and that was something I loved. So we kind of put our own spin on it in the book. You know, I've seen a ton of books use QR codes to share yeah. resources. We hadn't seen someone use AR in the book quite the same way, but we wanted to model ways that we had seen uh, innovative AR used. But essentially what we realized was, look, I mean, I've been in education now for about 20 years. I started out as a tech consultant for Fortune 500 companies, uh, went into teaching in New York City, taught in uh, the suburbs right outside New York City. And then I was a director of technology and innovation for around a decade. And I think one of the things we always see with tech adoption is, right, there's this real slow burn where you have your early adopters mm -hmm. um, and then you have your people who, until it kind of meets meets this mass, uh, this mass point of adoption, people don't really know about it. And what we're trying to do is accelerate that in a way by not talking about the technology, but by talking about the impact on teaching and learning. And so we created this nice little framework, this little <laughs> packaging for AR and VR, the ABC framework. So it's absorb, blend, and create. And what I've found with teachers over the years, whether it's been through observations or just sitting in our classrooms is, teachers will often self-report they're much worse at technology than they are. So yeah. teachers will say like, I don't know how to do technology, but meanwhile, I'll see them doing these amazing things and be like, look, look at what you're doing. So teachers may think AR, VR sounds like this crazy out there thing, this futuristic thing that there's no way I could pull that into my classroom. And ultimately it still boils down to how you're implementing your, 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 your pedagogy, right? Mm -hmm. So absorb, blend and create is just simply in any AR or VR experience, you're either absorbing content, you're, you're passive, uh, passively taking in uh, what you're seeing, blending, meaning kind of like remixing or creating new content from, uh, from scratch, enabling our students, for instance, to to create new worlds, new content. And so that's re re really where we sit in terms of Reality Bites is, what are teachers doing out there and how do those fall into the different categories? And we didn't want it to be one of these books that tells you about like how to click here, because the truth is, that's gonna change. <laughs> By the time the book hits the publisher, it's already gonna change. That's the problem of ed tech books, right? So if we focus more on teaching and learning in the books we write about ed tech, they'll be applicable for a lot longer. And we could always QR code to a website to tell you more about the actual how-to. Correct. And, and that's something that I loved, like I said, just following with the book and just the resources that are there. Like you said, easy layout. And I mean, for me, it's just something foundational. Like even, you know, for myself that I'm just one of those, like you said, early adopters, I'll go and research. I'll just look on Twitter, find things and, you know, whatever other people are doing, you know, I kind of make it my own or put it into it or just really exactly. try and push it and see where I can take this that they may not even know that you can do things like that. And, uh, but this book, like I said, is just a wonderful layout and I can't wait for Thank anybody. You. I did put the link in there so people can go in and buy their copy of uh, reality bites because it's definitely a great tool belt. And I do see some posts here of people that are already wanting to include some AR or VR within, uh, you know, their teaching models because I guess they see, they also see, you know, especially now during remote learning, you know, we, we will be seeing a lot more of AR, VR, and maybe just it hasn't been adopted too much at too many schools yet, maybe because, again, 
people are just trying to, you know, get in and say, okay, let's, let's, let's see what we've got. Let's take care of everything that we do. But I think this is something that's definitely now going to be even more uh, or seen more in within schools. What, what do you think about that, Jesse? You know, it's funny. I think right when the, so right when I saw you, like right as the pandemic was kind of starting, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people said to us right away, like, wow, this is the time, right? It's time for AR and VR. And we were like, no, like teachers can barely get a grip on how they're exactly. actually doing remote teaching. This is not the time to now, you know, start pushing out headsets to kids to do that stuff. However, um, what the pandemic has done is open up opportunities for us to see um, that there are alternative pathways for instruction, right? So in other words, um, I think the big problem we had in the spring was, people made a decision on remote learning and whether it could work or not based on what happened in the spring. And the truth is what we did in the spring was not remote learning. It was crisis teaching, right? So it was teachers and even still, many teachers who were doing a hybrid and remote model have never been trained on how to actually do this. So where does VR fit into that? Where does AR fit into that? Well, I think right now there's clearly a um, reluctance, I would say maybe of, taking my Oculus Quest and handing it over to you after I've worn it and having you put it on, right? Prior to the pandemic, it would have been the acquisition of that hardware that would have been the challenge, not the actual usage of it. Now I think the challenge is the usage. Where we've seen a lot of um, forward movement since the pandemic started has been in web-based VR. So things like um, Mozilla Hubs. Uh, one, uh, one tool that we love is Spatial, which is, uh, which is a combination of kind of AR and VR uh, Mike and I actually have done a demo for schools where we showed how Micah took a pine cone from his backyard, scanned it in using his phone, and then we were able to bring that pine cone in and explore it and pass it around and 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 use it. So now we start taking about thinking about what our classrooms could look like moving forward. And you know, five to ten years from now, as we start to get comfortable with this idea of the 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 classroom without walls, right? The classroom that's not just having to have kids in one setting, the hybrid classroom. Um, there's a lot of powerful, there's a lot of powerful tools. Oh, shit, tell Scott. Oh my God, she's here. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it, sorry, <laughs> got derailed. Um, I think it really kind, kind of tells us what's possible moving forward, right? So I, my hope is that we come out of this pandemic situation, recognizing that we can actually disrupt how we've been doing work in schools, not to change it because one is better than the others. But now all of a sudden, all the educators that have gone through this have a lot of other tools in their toolbox that they can use to uh, maximize the impact they have in their learning experiences with their students. And I think AR and VR is gonna play a really huge role with that. And some of the best experiences that I've seen from a learning perspective have come with that headset on. So I'm hoping we do get to a point and you know they're about to announce a new Oculus Quest uh, yes. in a week, the, 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 the low cost entry model, I mean, you use it. I mean, it, it, it is such a mind blowing device. And the problem with it is you need to get it on someone's head for them to use it in order for them to understand what a game changing device it is. So I think that's the challenge we face with adoption of VR over the next few years. AR, I think is going to be easier because AR, I can just use my phone. Any of us can use the devices we already have. And there's already a ton of great applications out there. One that we love at the elementary level is catchy words. It's actually in the book yes. uh, for helping students learn how to read. Uh, learn how to spell, students with uh, reading disabilities. I mean, it's there's so many great tools out there and we just have we just have to get educators, uh, make them more aware of what's available to them. 
And I think, like you said, also just some of the obstacles that at least I've seen, I know working as a, an instructional tech and just being so much into AR and wanting to bring it to, to the students is just that um, not that much, not that many people know it. Like you, you need to really explain it. And then a lot of people, they, they really don't take the time to want to learn something new because it's kind of like, no, well, I've got to follow my curriculum. I got to do this and I got to be here at this certain time. And it just really makes it difficult. And the teachers just, you know, they're, they're just going through the motion, doing what it is that they need to do and doing what they know is best. And some, some of them, you know, when you want to introduce something, they're like, ah, no, it just seems like it's, you know, fun and games and it's just real gamey. Uh, but they don't understand that, you know, a lot of students do learn from the visual aspect of it. And one of the, the things that I did one year is they asked me to go into tutor a science classroom because I was a former science teacher. And I brought in the Merge Cube and then I've got, I've got the, the Merge EDU that they gave me access to. And we were doing, you know, life cycle. We were doing all this. And I handed right. the, the, the cube to a student and I was projecting it and she's there holding, you know, the frog for the life cycle. She's seen it. They're holding it. All the kids were just in awe. The attention was there. It wasn't gamey at all. Like they felt like, oh, this is just a gimmick. I mean, they were completely interested in like, wow, so this is what it looks like rather than just seeing it on a flat worksheet where I just color the worksheet. But wow, there's actually volume here. There's actually depth. There's actually, I'm seeing this little bird eat totally. the worm. And they were just blown away by that because they actually get to see these things in action in the classroom. So I think some of the obstacles also is just really getting to the administrators, getting to uh, you know the teachers and really educating them on what is out there, the tools that are available and how they can help. And I think it'll just avoid that, that fear, that fear factor of, I don't know how to do that. And I come back to this book, this book right here is a wonderful foundation, you know, just to get started nice and easy. And like you said, just with web-based apps, you know, that you have, you don't need the, the, the goggles just yet, but maybe, you know, in the future, but, you know, I've, I've been playing around with scavenger hunt, you know, at waypoint uh, edu also has been great that I've been able to use with kids to create, you know, these uh, quizzes that they go and do as little scavenger hunt yeah. And it gets them up, it gets them active, and all they need is just a mobile device on it for it. And so it's just been great. So, I mean, just simply introducing it little by little. I don't think that any teacher would disagree uh, with the impact that these tech tools have. But let's have, let's let real talk for a second, right? Who has time? These <laughs> like, teachers are drowning. No one has time. So, when you talk about introducing them to, you know, uh, AR, VR, teachers are dying to do, of course, teachers and, you know, teachers like Amanda who want to engage their students, mm -hmm. right? And, and and find ways to do that. But teachers are so bogged down with like the, the administrivia of being a teacher these days, right? The, just the amount of things that they have to do that are outside the scope of their teaching. And also just the lives they live outside of the classroom. I know. And I'm sorry. I apologize if I'm if I'm breaking if I'm breaking news to parents that teachers have lives outside of the classroom. It's not, they do have their right. They do have their lives that they have to live as well. Um, so the question then becomes: How do we get teachers to make that leap, knowing all the obstacles they have? And I, my belief has always been: It's in showing the intrinsic value these tools have, not just improving the experience for their kids, but in saving them time and energy. Right. So, um, you know, I think about an experience like the Anne Frank house, which is an experience in, uh, in Oculus, which 
to me is my go-to, like if you're talking about the emotional impact that a learning experience can have in the classroom and how VR can change that, I talk about the Anne Frank House experience, which was developed by some, uh, by a company out in Amsterdam. They basically recreated Anne Frank's house, uh, the way, not as it looks now, but as it looked back when she was living there, there are artifacts all over the house where you can pick things up. As you pick things up, you hear a young girl reading at, uh, portions of Anne Frank's diary. You really are able to empathize with her story in a way you could not do simply by traditional reading and discussion. And so when teachers start to take a look at, you know, the types of lessons they have to do to get their students to that same point, then all of a sudden it becomes a tool that could save time. Augmented reality is the same thing, right? The entry point for getting teachers to make that leap is always going to be how can we save time and make time for those experiences. And Amanda in the chat has a great point, you know, as educators, we have to let go of control and be comfortable with that. And I think we are being forced to do that because of the pandemic. Teachers are recognizing mm -hmm. I have to let go of the control that I normally had in my classroom because I can't do both things at once. I can't completely have that level of control in the classroom as well as with my students who are at, at home and manage those both at once. And mm -hmm. you know, my advice to teachers lately has been, if you're striving for perfect, you're gonna burn yourself out. There's no, there's you, you have to accept failure in a way that you've never done that before because as teachers, you know, we're all perfectionists and we wanna, you know, always make sure we're creating the best experiences. And right now we're in a, doing the best we can yeah and, no, and i with that I, in mind yeah i was gonna the say opportunities yeah, I, are there i i agree with you on that you know at this time you know one of the things that i've been telling teachers you know because you're right i mean they strive for perfection they're used to being within the classroom setting and now i tell them it's like you have to realize that now as a teacher you're a guest in that student's home now you know so Absolutely. it's yeah, it's difficult. And I want to thank Devin, Devin Rossiter, who's also an innovator who actually uh, shared that line with me because of the, a lot of the frustration and saying like, hey, you know, we're guests in their homes now. And so we can't have that control over them because they're they're at home. I mean, you you got to go and do what what is best, uh, you know, for the students. And of course, what's best for you as a teacher. And yeah, you, you don't want you want to avoid that burnout. Uh, another uh, Oculus uh, experience that I wanted to show was notes on blindness. That um, one is a great one. Great experience. Yeah, great experience. I when I put that on, it just took me to a different world of, of just wow. I, I you know experiencing that you know now I, I'm just in awe of this. Just the overall sense that you're losing your senses. You're you're just seeing you know just or hearing the little footsteps you know. And what it is, guys, is if you're not familiar with Notes on Blindness on Oculus Quest, just uh, I'll put in the link there just to give you a little detail on the experience, but what it is, it's just, uh, you know, John Hull became totally blind and it's just uh, his decades of sudden deterioration from just seeing things and just the way that he would see and now do the perception of how now he just hears things and, and it just really, you know, takes you in there. And that's what I love that it just immerses you in that experience. So now you're just seeing things in a different light per se and it just uh it's wonderful those experiences and just like with the Anne Frank house too as well virtual reality is such an important tool for helping build empathy with students i know there's an experience for the HTC Vive uh, around homelessness where you actually go through uh the experiences of being homeless and actually seeing how people look at you and uh i, I know there are similar um experiences around like uh 
what it's like to be uh, raised as an African American uh, child in in a mostly predominantly white society. So it is. It, I mean, these are experiences you can't get, right? So um, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So Chantel here says, "Woo, that's a great way to teach empathy to those that are blind." Exactly. So, yeah. So you're seeing all those experiences. All right, Jesse. So let's go ahead and talk now. All of a sudden, you know, you're barely signing my book, like you said in February. Now, all of a sudden, already <laughs> in September, and you've already got a new book out. So talk to us a little bit about that too, as well. Well, see, that's what happens in the pandemic, right? You can't <laughs> leave the house; you wind up writing. So um, the esports book, actually, we we we. Initially, when we had started uh, writing, we had talked about doing both an ARVR and an esports book. So those were always kind of we were taking a look at, like I said, the things that are like five to ten years down the road that don't have widespread adoption. How do we create opportunities for educators to to adopt those um, in a much faster time frame? So obviously, Reality Bites, we were already there. We had the content. We we got that book together, got it out. Um, for our esports books, our esports book is called the Esports Education Playbook: Empowering Every Learner Through Inclusive Gaming. Uh, and my co-authors for that one are Christine again, Christine Lyon Bailey, as well as Steve Isaacs and Chris Aviles, who are uh, two brilliant educators from New Jersey who have been doing a ton of work around esports for years. And so they were able to bring their expertise to the table as far as letting us know, you know. How do you get a program off the ground? So I think there's two. There's a couple of things we want to accomplish through this book, which I think we did. The first is how do we provide a practical guide for educators who want to start an esports program, but maybe who don't even know what it is, but know that there's value there. And so, for those of you who are wondering what esports are, uh, when we're talking about esports, we are talking about competitive gaming. So uh, I know for years there's always been that conversation of, well, does, do video games have a place in school? And what I don't think people realize, the casual observer or you know teachers who are bogged down with their teaching all the time, is that esports is the fastest growing sport in the world, um, and actually, the only sport with with a greater viewership is American football. So it is crazy where it's already gotten to in terms of uh, where it sits in the nexus of popular culture, and it's been growing at such a rapid rate in schools. And I we have seen tweets the entire process of us writing, we've seen teachers looking for help and guidance on how do you get, how do you do this? Do you make teams? Do you make clubs? How do you get it off the ground? Do kids bring their own systems? Like, how does this work? And so we've created part of the book is that practical guidebook. But the other piece is really about talking about the benefits of esports, the why, right? And I don't think what people realize is that esports is opening up doors for students uh, that previously had no kind of gateway or connection to their schools, right? Those those students who felt disenfranchised, the students who weren't quite athletes um, and didn't really have that place where they fit in, right? Esports gives students those abilities. One of my favorite stories from the book, um, uh, which I'll share now, is actually from a, was shared with us from a director of technology out in California. He was saying his school district had adopted an esports program and they were using it in their alternative ed school. So these were students who they could barely get to come to school. And uh, they opened the esports club there, uh, which became a team. And they started you know, having competitions and the parents for this child who had only a year before would not even attend school. Uh, they called the school and said, is it okay for parents to attend the competition? And he was like, of course, we encourage it, please. They called back a couple of hours later. They're like, well, we have relatives who wanna fly up to see the competition, is that, is that okay? And what he realized was 
this was a family that had no connection to their school community at all. And now all of a sudden, it was such it was of such value to them. And what they saw was this then impacted the rest of his grades. Now he was attending his other classes because esports became the incentivizer for him being part of that school community. And I don't think we rec you know, esports is for everyone, right? It's yeah. for it's for for uh, for males, for females, for those for for those who who don't identify you know, non-binary, um, you know, for um, for uh, LGBTQ students. I mean, it is it, all students of any identification. One thing they all have in common, they love games, right? And so this provides that way for them to all participate together in something that isn't. I don't want to say as exclusionary as traditional sports because sports are open. But we all know there's a certain degree of either I'm a good athlete or I'm not a good athlete. And uh, it, it hasn't been a pathway for everyone. And so esports provides those opportunities. The other piece that I think is uh, is really important in, in, in the book was we know that instantly every time we talk about esports, even now, when I bring up the book and start talking to it, people are like, yeah, but what about violence in gaming? What about screen time? What about people always start out from that negative uh, model of talking about what the what the potential pitfalls are, and so what we wanted to do was provide those counterpoints up front. <laughs> so here are the things you're going to hear, and here's the research and the answers to those things that can help uh, help support you as you kind of embark on your journey. Um, because <laughs> again, teachers don't have the time to go do that research. We did. We wanted to provide that information up front. And the last piece was as someone who uh, served as a school administrator. You know, I understand when you're getting a program off the ground. Sometimes we, we have tunnel vision and we're all about how do we get our program off the ground? And I'm only gonna talk to who I need to talk to at this given moment to do that. And what we're trying to make sure people know is it's a team effort and it's a team effort if everyone's on board and successful. So we talk about the various stakeholder groups you need to address and how to address them. That includes your facilities people, your parents making sure that they're an active community early on, um, you know, your administration, those different uh, ways, uh, all the different people that you need to kind of get buy-in from in order to make this program successful. So it's a, it's a how-to guide. Um, it's if you have no background information whatsoever on games, if you've never played a game in your life, uh, our good friend Mike Washburn uh, joined us for a chapter to take us through a brief history of 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 gaming and esports and kind of how we got here. So we lay the groundwork there as well. So it's really for any educator interested in finding another opportunity to engage your students. That's perfect. And that's wonderful. And that's what we need, you know, more opportunities to engage those students that may not be interested in athletics, or they may not be interested in band, they may not be interested in art club, but they find a passion and a, you know, an outlet through video games. And now, you know, making it competitive, it's just wonderful. And one thing that I did want to bring up is that I did a put, a, I'm going to put a link to an article here. But I mean, you're looking at the top 25 esports scholarships to look up right now. And oh, so yes, I was going to talk about this. Let me just share my screen here real quick so I can go ahead and uh, share this with y'all. So let me go ahead and clean this up here. So here we go. I'll put this in the link. And so, I mean, you've got scholarship offers here or scholarship opportunities to all of these universities here that maybe, maybe many people may have not heard of, but they are having some wonderful success through esports, and I mean, look at that, Ohio State University here. And so get an education, you're gaming, you know, you're getting a scholarship to game, you're a part of a team, 
and then they build up your skills to be part of that industry or that growing industry that we're seeing grow exponentially. So this is something that is awesome and amazing. So Jesse, go ahead and uh, just take, a, take I, us a little I, bit. I, more I was, I was actually going to go here next. So I'm so glad you went here. So two of my favorite interviews, one of my roles on the book was I was, um, I was the one of us who was chosen to kind of do all the interviews uh, for the books, transcribe and kind of build those stories into the book. And two of my favorite interviews were with, um, were with two collegiate esports coaches. One was Amon Green, who I don't know if you may recognize the name. He was uh, an all pro running back for the Green Bay Packers. Um, he is now a collegiate esports coach up in Wisconsin, uh, in Green Bay. And uh, the other one was Dr. Chris Haskell from Boise State University. And uh, they were both sharing with me their experiences. And the two big takeaways from those two interviews, from Amon Green's interview, it was how similar his life in football was to his life as in esports, uh, in esports, because you know, he's been around coach sports his entire life. Um, and he was a high school coach for around nine years after uh, he left the NFL. And he said, you'd be shocked at the similarities between coaching, you know, a traditional sport and coaching esports. It's the same thing, the drills. The It's not like they get together after school every day and just play games. If you play a certain position in, a, in, in, in esports, you focus on skills related to that task in the game itself. Um, but the really the, the story I love telling is uh, uh, Dr. Haskell was telling me about his program, and he was just named uh, Co Coach of the Year at the at the college level. And he was telling me, "Oh yeah, I just gave a scholarship this week to a journalism student." And I was like, "Wait, for what?" He goes, "For esports." So her scholarship is actually part of her scholarship is actually writing stories about esports. And what I realized throughout the course of my uh, interviews for the book is. Most of the people who participate in an esports team or a club are not gamers. They are streamers, broadcasters, managers. Uh, they do everything but play the game. And what's awesome about, about this is there is there are entire, and we talk about this in the book, esports creates career pathways for we talk about how do we get kids uh, to learn those skills they'll need for the jobs that don't exist. Guess what? Those jobs are being created in esports, and kids are getting the skills they need through esports programs for doing things like broadcasting, streaming, uh, writing scripts, video production and editing. That's all happening in these high school and collegiate esports programs. And students are earning scholarships to college for skills they've learned in their esports club that are not about games. In fact, the average gamer's professional esports gaming life is really short. They burn out quickly. So you're not gonna have a full, like you know, years and years and years career in esports unless you're doing one of these other areas, such as the broadcasting and the streaming and you know, shoutcasting, all those things. So that's really where the skills are, where kids are developing these skills now in high school. We, um, Chris and Steve call it like the, the, the K-12 pathway, where basically you can start getting sk uh, students skills as early as kindergarten, which can lead to careers down the road in something, in a developing market like esports. And that, you know, that's something that is wonderful and that's great. And I mean, we're just seeing so much growth. I mean, even since before pandemic and, you know, I think it was totally. even, you know, totally, I, I was like following esports, doing all that. And I was like, just the growth of it and just how it's coming to, and, you know, to fruition, even our, our high school, one of our high schools at, here in our, in the district that I work at, um, they started, uh, we have a, an amazing teacher, his name's Robert Barbosa. He started a, our first esports team and within the first tournament that we played, they're in our region one service center ended up in first place, you know, but there is a huge growing interest, but it's just a matter of 
getting it out there, putting, and these are people that are just, you know, reading up, you know, on what, who's doing what, like you said, take what somebody else is doing, make it your own, see how we can make it work. And that's pretty much the way that it's been going, just really grassroots going through it on their own and just building up programs. And of course, like you said, you know, there are some kind of like, uh, you know, what, what, why are they buying that? Or why do they need that from donors choose? Why are they asking for this kind of money for video games? Really? Like, you know, so it's kind of, you know, you got to go through those obstacles, but we did have uh, this last year, I believe we had our first graduate who did receive an esports scholarship. So that is awesome. Awesome. So that is amazing. So it's something that's definitely growing. And so again, but I wanted to talk a little bit about that and maybe do the segue, something that we were talking about earlier, you know, usually our teachers, when we get any kind of formal training, anything that we do, we have our local regional service center where we pay a certain fee for as many trainings as our teachers can go to, you know, dealing with anything with tech or tech related. Now you're talking a little bit, you know, you ready learner one is, right. is partnering up. Can you tell us a little bit about what you guys are working on? Totally. Before that, I just wanted to touch on two points with the esports as you were kind of closing up, you know, so here's a question for you. Over the pandemic, want to take a guess as to what was the only sport that was able to continue while we were all stuck at home? <laughs> esports. <laughs> right. So we talk about in the book how, COVID actually showed us the esports is the athletics of remote learning. So as we start to move forward, and even, you know, I saw a report today that, you know, life may not return to quote unquote normal until the end of 2021. That's a year, that's, that's potentially a year and a half away. So esports is still a gateway to allow us to engage in our students in this type of model, um, you know, uh, as you move forward. And to your point about the spending, you know, the one thing I would say is esports can be done on a shoestring. Or it can be done big, uh, big scale. I saw Amanda talked about how we have, you know, there's a huge studio uh, where she is, and and a lot of schools are building like esports facilities, but it doesn't have to be done. And that's actually a nice segue to, uh, over to your, your your other question, which is kind of, you know, how do we address that, um, you know, uh, the the inequities of the, of the haves and the have-nots, and I think that's always been a struggle. So in early July. Um, we hosted a conference, which is really, it was a free conference. It was really in response to just trying to do something, to give something back to the education community, to teachers who um, need, who were kind of, had just come out of the school year and were incredibly frustrated and scared about what was going to happen next year. And uh, uh, we had reached out to a lot of our friends who were in the ed tech space to see if they'd be willing to to run a, run a free session of professional development. So we put together a free conference for um, we had over 2000 registrants from 30 different countries and we ran that in early July and it was such a huge success. We recognized that, wow, there, there are a lot of educators out there who don't have access to this type of professional development. And to your point, you know, you're in Texas, I'm in New York. There are regional models all over the place that do this consortium based, um, you know, buy-in model, uh, to professional development. And I'm, I, I don't want to go through the full, uh, idea. We have like a three phased, uh, idea for what we're about to launch, but we are launching um, this weekend uh, a Changemaker Consortium. So our conference was called the Changemaker Conference. A Changemaker Consortium that's a partnership between Ready Learner One and a company called TMI Education, um, which is run by an amazing man named Brian Chinney out in New Jersey. Uh, They have a network of like 50,000 educators. And what we are looking to do is answer the question of how do we bring the best teachers and make them available to every school? right, to, to provide that, that PD and support, especially at a time like right now. 
And so you and I have spoken, right? So we have we have a lot of friends in the ed tech space who travel and 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 do keynote and present, and they're paid a lot of money to go do what they do, which ultimately means that they're not necessarily available to to all those schools, whether they're rural, whether they're in um, you know impoverished neighborhoods. And so the pandemic, again, and I, I hate saying if we've seen a a um, if we've seen a benefit, because there, there really are no benefits to something as horrible as this, but one thing we have seen is that it's been an equalizer, right? Whether yeah. you are in the sense that whether you are a district that uh, does not have a lot of money, or you're a district that does have a money a lot of money, or you're a private school, we're all we're all on Zoom, we're all on Google Meet, we're all doing something remotely. So right now we're all struggling with the same challenges, and so um, through our consortium model, we've actually um, we're bringing in some of those big names, some of those experts in the space, and at one price, at one low price, offering seats to all of those different events, access to the video archive recordings, um, as well as a bunch of additional um, perks, the ability to build a social network around that particular subject. So in other words, if I'm in Texas or I'm in New York, I can take this course or uh, alongside uh, educators from around the country and share and learn alongside them. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, what we're working on right now is just getting, getting that needed help and support out there for every teacher that needs it. That's wonderful. And that's something that is so important, just making those connections. And like I said, hopefully like today, you know, you being here on the show and, um, anybody that's interested in AR, VR, and even in esports, you know, we have Amanda here, we've got Tammy, we've got all these wonderful educators that are here wanting to learn more, you know, now they can, can make connections with you, then they can also follow, um, you know, the rest of your connections. And it just becomes one great PLF professional learning family where we can all learn together. And, you know, maybe just make this thing just spread like wildfire, because it's just something amazing. And it's a great model to be able to take the best of the best that is out there, practitioners, subject matter experts, and to bring those to communities that may otherwise not be able to afford, you know, somebody that big to come in, but, you know, can get those trainings, see things through a different lens. And, uh, just having that growth mindset, you know, and changing mindsets of teachers and educators and administrators all alike to just really leverage what we have right now during this time of pandemic, how teachers have been working. And in the end, for me, just the, the end result is always what is best for the kids. And so hopefully totally. with all of that, you know, I know we, we've got to go through all those layers, but in the end, you know, it's just to me, whatever benefits the kid that is our students to prepare them for the skills that they're going to need for tomorrow. I mean, people may think, well, AR, VR, I was like, yeah, you better believe it. You know, even <laughs> in elementary, get them ready because once they get into college, you know, things are going to look very different. You know, we're doing telemedicine now. We're doing all of those things. You're going to need people that are going to be not necessarily just box them into AR, VR, but you're providing the skills, the problem solving skills, the soft skills, all of that, that they're mm -hmm. going to need in a nice package that when they get into college and they get into the real world, they can do some problem solving and that's pretty much it. You know, uh, it goes from there and the possibilities are endless from here to then, but technology, like you said, continually changing. And with esports, you definitely have so many talented uh, students that are out there that maybe may not have a voice in the classroom because it's, it's not the way that they learn. You know, one of the things that, that I'm learning and I know it's so late in the game, but you know, doing a, I'm taking a course and a lot of times it's as teachers, 
we need to make those real world co uh, connections to the students with what we're doing, making it relative to them. Many times, you know, we're trying to teach maybe a science lesson and then a student may not understand it, but you're explaining it as the way that we need to. But maybe the student has a different explanation because they, they have a, a passion for, you know, maybe like diesel engines and they can explain, you know, what's going on in their terms. But, you know, you think like, well, no, no, they need to learn it this way. No, I mean, involve esports in it, involve AR in it, involve everything, all sorts of things that, that students are interested in, make it relative to them. And I, I think that that's something that we need to do and, and learn to do. Like you said, let go of that control and then just have them learn the way that they learn. And I think that'll be a great model, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. We, we are blessed to be in a profession where um, even despite all the challenges that we're facing right now um, with the pandemic, that everyone is so has always been so willing to share. And that's always been my big reason to get on social media and kind of grow your personal network is mm -hmm. there are so many educators out there and look at, we have people joining us on a Saturday morning to hear you and I talking about AR, VR, and esports. I mean, it seems so crazy, right? But that's because of the dedication and passion of the people in our profession. And to that end, I think there are also so many teachers out there who just don't know what they don't know, right? And that's always mm -hmm. been, and that's been my big angle with both of these books, right? Is part of the thing is it's not that teachers are scared. I think it has been a big part that they don't have time, but they don't know what they don't know. And I think that these books are both nice entry points into a into two areas that a lot of people don't know anything about. They're still they're still growing, and so at least learning about it, understanding what you know the potential impact in education, knowing it as like another tool in your toolbox is something to kind of break out. Is you know what? And you, the, the diesel engine is a great example because um, have you ever tried Jig Space on your phone? Yeah. Jigspace is an AR application, right? And so one time I was in the airport with my son and he was asking me how a jet plane worked. And I was like, oh, actually took out Jigspace. I was able to throw a jet engine right in front of me and we dissected it and talked about it. Free app for my phone. I mean, it's just a matter of knowing about it, right? So yeah. just knowing the types of opportunities that are available to improve, again, improve towards that end goal of improving the learning experiences of our students. And, and helping them grow and, and tackle the challenges of tomorrow. That's perfect. And that's exactly well put, well versed. And uh, Jesse, let us know when is uh, your book going to be out on the esports book? I know I forgot that to even ask when that is going to be uh, <laughs> rolled out. <laughs> it's funny because one of my co authors tweeted out the other day, like, oh, we can't wait for you guys to read this in October. And I was like, I don't think it's coming out in October. It's no, I, I'm, it'll be out in November. Uh, Reality Bites is already out. Um, uh, the esports education playbook, empowering every learner uh, through inclusive gaming, is going to be out in November. We're really excited about that. Um, I will have another announcement <laughs> soon about another book uh, coming up uh, next year. Uh, I don't stop writing, so it's uh, yeah. We're just we have a lot in the works. We're really excited. We're just uh, we're we're thrilled that we have the opportunity to help support all of the work that you know teachers are doing in their schools right now. I mean, I. I, I talked about it yesterday. I don't think I have it in front of me. I think my daughter took it, but she made like a little face puppet yesterday. They had they were had a community community oh, yeah. service, and she made like a little puppet, like that she was a teacher and she helps people. And I'm like, you know, that's the thing to keep in mind. Things times are so rough right now, and uh, and I feel like teachers are coming home at the end of a Friday that feels like they just worked five straight weeks. So 
you know, just make sure everyone's taking the time to recharge their batteries. Make sure that you are, you know, giving time for yourself uh, personally, but when you have opportunities or time for that personal growth piece, we're here to help support that and, uh, you know, show you the things you may not know about and, and, and help you take your teaching game up to the next level. Oh, that's perfect, Jesse. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for- Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure and you always have an open inv inv invite here. So when the new book comes out and then the book that after that, and then the book after that and so on, you know, it'd be great to have you on here at any time, you know, so you can go ahead and share all of that with our teachers and, you know, maybe one day we even bring in the rest of the Ready Learner One team. I think have, we would love that. You know, and just talk, you know, just education, you know, AR, VR, sports, but just or anything else that would be great. But thank and, you so you're much. My grand, you're my grand innovator child. So we're family and family. Yes, yes, family. we are yeah. family. That is awesome. That is great. And I want to also thank Micah because Micah definitely helped me give me that push through to get into innovator and, you know, just with That's you know, great. everything that he did. So, you know, I really, it really does feel like family. So, Thank you guys again for everything that you're doing and everybody that's watching today. Thank you so much for joining us this beautiful morning. Hopefully you guys had a wonderful time here learning about AR, VR and esports with uh, Jesse. And it's just been something great. Don't forget, pick up Reality Bites. It's on Amazon. It, it is, is on so sale. cheap. It is like $3 right now. It's literally free right now. Just yes. like, like pretty $3. soon they'll be giving it away. You go grab and one with whatever you want and you're good to go. And like he said, you know, it's got the ABC toolbox here where you can go ahead and has QR codes. Look, they've got Merge Cube right there. You've got little plans. It's just a great foundation, you know, for you to start. You know, again, it's just all about getting the information, you know, losing that fear, trying things out slowly, adding another tool to the tool belt, just like Jesse mentioned, and, you know, take it from there. And of course, in November, you'll get the the new eSports e playbook. And that's going to be excited wonderful book there for all of you guys that are interested in esports. So thank you guys for watching. I appreciate you guys joining us this morning. Jesse, again, thank you. And thank Thanks everybody at me. Ready Learner One. I appreciate you guys and everything that you guys do. We'll see you next time. And, and don't forget, my friends, keep staying techie. Check you Take later. Care.